the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tucker Carlson reads the Bible for the first time and has some interesting things to say about it. And later, what are three things that Christians do that non-Christians despise? You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Thursday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. So glad that you are with us today you've missed any of today's show as always we love inviting you to go back and catch up on the old podcast the pods the old pods we also love inviting you to engage with us on social media at common good talk on facebook all right brian um i want to play some audio that i found tucker carlson talking about the bible and this isn't necessarily people he's a lightning rod you feel one way about him or the other i don't necessarily want to talk he's about your that. boy he's your boy <laughs> he is not my boy let's be clear about that please um but apparently in his new free time he's been reading the bible for the first time and has some fascinating things to say about it so let's go ahead and take a look listen to tucker carlson reflecting on reading the bible it's funny in february I was like trying to think about what to do for Lent. I'm not a particularly faithful or virtuous person, but like you try to do something. I already quit smoking, so like what's next? (laughs) And I thought, well, I'm just going to read the Bible. And no, I'm not going to do a Bible study. I'm a Protestant, so I feel like I have a right to kind of read it myself. And I know. I'm sorry. I feel that way. <laughs> and uh, and so I've been reading it since February, and I'm like about halfway done. And and I haven't talked to anyone about it. And I haven't been in it, just been myself reading it. And and I've all kind of, it's like the most interesting thing I think I've ever done. Mm. It's unbelievable. The amount of drama in those books <laughs> that has been hidden for me as a regular churchgoer in the Episcopal Church. Like, wait, why didn't you never mention this? This is like unbelievable. <laughs> what? But the two things I have come away with after reading the entire New Testament, and I'm up to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, is the every per, with the exception of Jesus every figure is like really flawed big time like flawed in a way where you'd be like I don't know if I could be friends with that person you know what yeah, I mean yeah. Abraham enters Egypt and he's like oh it's my sister actually take her <laughs> what what I'm saying to my wife who was a who was a religion teacher I was like what, why didn't anyone what is that and she's like maybe the point is that God takes people who are not perfect people not only not perfect people like they're so imperfect again hmm. I don't think I could have dinner with them and uses them for these grander purposes that's the first thing I noticed the second thing I noticed is that people, while they have free will, of course, and they can make decisions and they live with the consequences of those decisions, they're not really in charge of the arc of history at all. Mm. They are being acted upon a lot. Amen. Okay? And I never really appreciated that because I'm American, and so I grew up with this feeling that we're the sum total of our choices. Well, that's not what I'm reading at all. Mm. Yeah, people's choices matter. You need to do certain things and not do other things. On the other hand, you are not in charge. You are being acted upon by a world you can't see. And that, by the way, is consistent with my life experience. Like, I've seen that. I've lived that. I'm 54. 
And so I feel like it's really important to approach politics with that in mind. So this is so fascinating, Brian. Two things he says. One, he didn't know it was filled with so much drama. He's like, mm. why didn't people tell me this? Then the other thing is, uh, it's two main takeaways. First, that everyone except Jesus is flawed. And uh, he said something like, I don't know if I can be friends with that person as he's reading some of the Bible stories. He's talking about Abraham. He's talking about yeah. Sarah, that kind of thing. And then also, I think this part's interesting, especially regarding politics and the election, something that Tucker Carlson has obviously a lot of opinions on. He says he's now aware of how powerless people truly are. Although humans mm. have free will and face consequences for their decisions, they're not really in charge of the arc of history. They are being acted upon a lot. And he part of this interview that he was on, he's actually um at blaze media even talking about like forces behind political elections spiritual forces behind political right. elections and that kind of thing so what's your take on this your take on the discoveries that tucker carlson has made reading the bible for the first time yeah and let me take the smaller one first but i think it's important to say he is maybe for some people the preeminent like newscaster right good now point. in our day Very right like yes it was on Fox, but now he's doing stuff for millions of people on Twitter, right? Like mm -hmm. where, where people are finding him. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I guess I want to mention is a lot of people, especially on the far right, often look to people like Fox News and stuff as like they're all about Christian values and this and that. And I yeah. just want to make the point that Tucker Carlson said here, I've never read the Bible. <laughs> like, I mean, let's feels important to there. point out to me. Yes, but, 100%. Why? But, I mean, I, I, let's not let's not skip over that. Why? Because I think it's really important too. I I've said this before. I think a lot of our political media is just it's just acting. It's yeah. just yeah. trying to get a rise and trying to get you to follow. And we put on these people what we want them to be. Mm. Well, clearly they believe what I believe. Clearly they mm. just be careful who you follow. Yeah. I'm not saying what he says is right or wrong, yeah. but to put on him like this is good versus evil over here. These are the Christ These are the ones fighting for Christians. Just be careful. Yeah, Just know right. that it's a money-making venture and everyone's got their slant on things. And I yeah. just think that's important to remember uh, when we put our trust in these people. Yeah. Uh, but his words about the Bible are are hugely accurate. Totally. Jesus is the only one who's not flawed. How many yes. of us have not read the Old Testament or the New Testament and gone, Dude, David's not a good dude at times. No, he's not a good dude. <laughs> Abraham did what to his wife? Or <laughs> right. Peter did what when Jesus was arrested? Right, like, right. I think sometimes I, he's not in wrong. Our, in our like attempts, and I understand this. I do this as a preacher. In our attempts to take lessons from Bible characters, right? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we forget that this is actually a story about God's faithfulness and Jesus's faithfulness, good. and not humanity's at all. Yeah. And like that's kind of the miracle that God would condescend to actually like partner with us in our sinfulness. But we we do this. We're like 12 steps of leadership based on David, M godly manlyhood based on, well, David's another example of that or whatever, you know, Abraham's leadership principles. And it's like, well, read the stories like these are fallen, yes. sinful, broken, sometimes horrible people. It's God who's faithful. It's God who's good. It's God who's like 
compelling and moving with them due to his love and compassion and his covenant faithfulness. Anyway, go ahead, Brian. No. And then his second point about it, it's exactly what you just said. I I think it's comforting to go. God is the constant in the Bible. Mm. God is in control. Yeah. It doesn't mean um, that, you know, this is where people struggle. It doesn't mean we're robots without any sort of uh, agency or that what we do doesn't make a difference at all, but, that God is ultimately sovereign, that we can trust God, that he is good, and that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament is the God of today, Yeah, I think is super important. But yeah, the biggest point is, Tucker Carlson's right. The Bible can be hard, and we all like to not acknowledge that. Like, oh, no, it's all easy, and all these people are really righteous, and all of this. It's a confusing book at times, and yeah. uh, but the beauty of, like you said, is is ultimately about God, yeah. His faithfulness to His promises, ultimately in sending Jesus uh, to live, die, rise again, and ultimately His victory throughout uh, the whole narrative. So as long as we keep the big picture in mind, we can handle the Dave, the weirdness of David yeah, and Abraham yeah. and Solomon, and the complicated nature of these folks. Okay, what about um, what about his point that? The, the kind of the forces behind elections and politics and things like that. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I know that's a bit, that's a big statement to make. It's it goes just, into like spiritual warfare and like, there's a lot. What, tell me your thoughts on that. I mean, obviously God cares about these things, yeah. right? So I'm not one of those who's like, Oh God doesn't care about these things. Right. It's just super dangerous when mm. you, we all know who Tucker Carlson thinks should win elections. We all know. And so when he talks of there are spiritual forces behind this, it gets back to what you and I have talked about so much. One side's good. One side's evil. When you demonize the other side, that's where we get to where we're at right now. There's people out there listening. I know who believe that's exactly how it works. I don't tend to think everybody who votes differently than me is evil. Mm. Uh, So I I guess I want to split it right down the middle and go, yes, God does care. God is involved. But not in the way we often think. And oftentimes we're like, well, God, either that person wins the election and God's will is Mm. is happening or that person wins and Satan's winning. And evil. Satan's taking control. Yeah. yeah. I just don't think that's how this works. And it's dangerous when people Mm. with an agenda are like, I'm on the side of good. Follow me. Yeah, I I think that that's there's so much wisdom there, Brian. Thanks for that. All right, coming up next, what are three things that Christians do that non-Christians despise? I'm curious about this when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Brian, we're going to talk about uh, some interesting research by Carrie Newhoff. And I feel like, don't we have a great, doesn't Ian Simpkins do a great Carrie Newhoff? Like every day, we should put it on tape because every time we bring on talk about a Carrie Newhoff article, I need Ian Simpkins going, Hi, I'm Carrie Newhoff. Lead- yeah, he's like New York Times bestseller, leading podcaster, thought leader, just goes, 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 goes. <laughs> so, for people who are maybe new to our show, Ian Simpkins was Brian's former co host, started right. the founding host of the Comic Good. Now, he's long gone. Like, long we- gone. We don't think about Ian thriving in Tennessee. Yeah, but his, uh, yeah, the impressions that last from Ian are have to do with Carrie Newhoff a lot. But Carrie Newhoff last forever. Kind of a church growth guy, kind of a you know like research based. What's going on in the world that can help pastors and followers of God understand you know how to do ministry better, that kind of thing. And so he posted three 
things Christians do that non-Christians despise. How's there only three on this list? How's there like... only three? I know. <laughs> I know. I was like, how do they, how are there only three and why do they choose three? Have you looked at this, Brian? Because I would love to know, just spitball your thoughts before we read it. But if you've read it already, that's okay. I have not. I have okay, not. I'm so telling you... on myself there. No, yeah, I have no, not. No, no, that's good. Okay. So uh, what comes to mind? What do you think is going to be on this Does list? this thing Christians actually do? Or is this thing that non-Christians I, perceive Christians I know. I, I think that's a really fair question. I'm going to say it's things Christians actually do. From the perspective of a non-Christian. I From would think, the perspective of a non-Christian, yeah. I would think somewhere on that list is going to be something around the idea of judgment. I, you judge what I do, my sin, yeah, my lifestyle. Right. Yes. Uh, you put your nose in things where you're not yeah. welcome. That's uh, I. I think that's going to be one of them. I think a second one is going to be something about politics, but I don't know. Interesting. I, I think I would have said something about politics as well. Maybe something about like the exclusivity of the Christian um, calling. Like we believe Jesus is the only way to God. Yeah. All right, you ready for this first one? Yes. Judge. Oh, I got you it. You got it. You got it. it uh, Carrie Newhoff says it doesn't take long for non-Christians to tell you how much they hate the way Christians judge other people. Any two minutes on social media will reveal right. Christians and preachers condemning unchurched people for their sexual habits and preferences, lifestyle choices, even political views. Now, he says, look, I'm very judgmental. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, apart from the mercy and intervention of Christ, that's who I am. Um, but he also says that years ago, he began realizing how devastating judgment and criticism can be to others. So he's like confessing it and repenting of it almost daily. Um, he also said this, and you hear people say it so loud that very few people get judged into like Christianity, right? Or get judged right. into transformation. It's love that does it. I think this is so hard because there are, and, and this will just show my judgment, right? Uh, I do think like for people that are not followers of Jesus and are outside of the church, you can't expect them to act like Christians, right? Like right. you just can't hold people who aren't followers of Jesus to the same accountability of the way of Jesus. So it's unfair to like quote judge. But then the hard part is like you do have perspective on certain things where you go, well, that's not right. Right. And so what is it to what is it to say? I think that's wrong. I think that's sinful. I think that's immoral. I think that's evil. I think that's corrupt, toxic, whatever, without judging. I don't know. No. I don't know. I don't know. I'm the there. What always bothers me about this conversation is I don't feel like this is just a corner that the Christians have mm, have. Right. That's true. I feel like non-Christians are increasingly judgmental, judgmental of Christians in general, but also yeah. of Christians. Like, I think this is a human problem. I great know point. what's best. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what's best. Yeah. Great point. Uh, so yes, Christians are probably held to a little bit of a higher standard because mm -hmm. people have a perception that we're not supposed to be judging yeah. and all this stuff. But I know plenty of non-Christians who are who are super judgmental yeah. of Christians or of others. I think this is a human issue, but sure, I think we're guilty of it. We're guilty of it, and, and we do need to remember, like, God, God's the judge. Okay, uh, here's the next one. Uh, hypocrite. Oh, I should have guessed hypocrite. Yes. Yeah, I mean, once you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah. There's a word for Christians who say one thing, do another. That's a hypocrite. He also talks about how he's a hypocrite. 
his walk doesn't match his talk, et cetera. He does say, I, that's why I don't have a Christian fish on my car. Um, <laughs> you know funny. what is interesting about this too, Brian, is I also think this is a human problem. Yep. Like, I think we are all in one sense hypocrites. We all sort of change based on social norms of the group we're around. We all say one thing and do another. We all espouse values that we don't live up to. And that's true for Christians and non-Christians. Um, and and the, in one sense, it's like this hard road of we're all human. We're all fallible. We're all limited. So this is a human problem. I think where it gets hypocrisy becomes a problem when it's like about your integrity, like you're intentionally being a hypocrite. Like there's one yeah. thing to be a flawed human being. Uh, it's another thing I think to intentionally present as one way, but you're totally different in the private, in your private specter, or spe- sector or sector, private yeah. life. Yeah. Um, it, and, and it's the hypocrisy one for me rings truer for Christians than the judgmental one. Um, because Christians, to the outside world are claiming something uh, almost almost like if I were a non-Christian, I would look at Christians and go, you're claiming a moral high ground and then not mm-hmm. living up to it, which is true yeah. on the inside. That's when we preach about grace and we preach about, yes, you know, uh-huh. the whole point of Christianity is that we are sinners yeah. and all this stuff. But from the outside, I would be like, dude, live what you say you believe or don't or don't tell me about it like that kind yeah. of thing. I, I can understand that one. Yeah, I, I I think so too. Okay, here's the last one. <laughs> this one's pretty convicting. Stink at friendship. Oh, wow, friendship that's a weird one to have our, on there. Is this a weird one? This is a weird one. He says, perhaps the first obstacle between non-Christians and Christians is that relatively few Christians actively pursue meaningful friendships with people who don't share their faith. Mm. Between churches that offer programs five nights a week, leaving a little time for Christians to make friends outside the church and Christians who are afraid of the world, many Christians don't pursue authentic relationship with non-Christians. I think that that is hitting the nail on the head right now. Really? I think that's true, but I also don't think non-Christians think that. Oh, that interesting. Feels, that oh, feels interesting. like a very Carrie Newhoff. Ah, uh, fair. I fair. think he's right. I think he's right. But, but do you, you really don't... think your non-Christian friends are out there going, That's a you know point. what Christians are bad at? Hanging Friendship. out and being friends. Being, they might feel it sometimes. I don't think they... I don't think that they would put that on a list of what bothers them about Christians. I think that Carrie Newhoff wanted to talk about friendship. Dude, I think that is like you have some major discernment and insight there. I think now that you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's totally right. Like, I think Carrie Newhoff is right. I think he's right. Because I look at my own life and I'm like, oh, the non-Christian, I feel like I need to share Jesus with them. Then it gets awkward. I can't be normal. Kevin is so good at this. He has all the same non-Christian friends he's had since like elementary school and like they're great friends it's not a problem but yeah those guys aren't sitting around going kevin is bad at friendship i really right, wish kevin right. as a as a christ w- follower was a better friend to me that's so true i wish my christian friends were not at church so often <laughs> and doing they don't think about that but they that's might so be true. i do think christians are bad at friendship like i yeah. think he's right i don't yeah. think I don't think this is the, I don't think non-Christians are going, you know what the top, you know what the third thing that bothers me about Christians the most is? They just aren't good friends. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I think you got that. I think this is probably his segue into like his next book or something. Exactly. You just, exactly. you just saw right through the PR plan. All right. Well, coming up next, Brian, I'm going to ask your advice 
uh, something happened a few weeks ago. I need to, I, I need to address it. I need your feedback. We're going to, I'm going to ask Brian for advice when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Okay, Brian, I need some, I need some male pastor advice. That's not a Uh-oh. statement you usually hear Aubrey Sampson. Not what I expected from Aubrey Sampson. <laughs> I need it. Um, okay, I'm trying to think of how to couch this, but a few weeks ago, I was at a, an event out of state. And, okay, do you know this guy, the type of guy who, a young guy, goes across the room to pray for the woman who's crying in the corner, the young, cute woman who's praying in the corner, and, like, just lingers and prays too long, like, puts his hand on her shoulder. How young? How young? Like, I'm going to go, tw- I'm going to go early 20s, okay? And Still- I'm going to say the girl maybe. The same or younger, not teenage younger, but like, you know, and, and just kind of lingers and keeps the hand on the shoulder and wants to keep giving advice and then tells about his own life pain and just keeps giving and, and okay. Do you know, do you know that guy? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? I know. I don't know the person you're talking about, but I know the caricature of the person. Yes. This is a thing. This is a Uh, thing, right? Let me just, let me just tell you about Wheaton college where many (laughs) relationships were spurred from. Let me pray for you. Let me, this sounds terrible. This sounds awful. I get it. But, uh, there were many a relationship that started after an emotional prayer session, if you will. So yes, I get it. I get it. Okay. All right. So that gives us yeah, that guy's not walking across the room for the 25 year old guy who's crying. Let's just put well, it that way. Okay. Right. So I'm in a scenario and I, I mean, honestly, I felt the Holy spirit say to me, go across the room. So I just walked across the room. I know that sounds crazy, but I just walked across the room. While he's praying with her? I didn't even see them at this point. Okay. I just walked across the room. And I noticed a woman by herself, and I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to comfort her. So I sat down, are you okay? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing great. This is so amazing. Look out of the corner of my eye, and I see this kind of situation happening. This younger girl is essentially cornered by a guy who's got, who I know is in a very serious relationship, talking about getting engaged. But he's got his arm on her shoulder and he is praying and he is praying and he is praying, but then he keeps praying. He keeps praying and he keeps lingering and he keeps lingering. And he just, then he's giving a lot of advice and then he's telling his own painful story. And I finally just get up and go stand by her. Cause I'm like, maybe this is why I was supposed to walk across the room. And I just kind of stand there. I don't really intervene. I just kind of get close to her almost like a protective stance. And then afterwards I was like, are you okay? And she was kind of like, thanks. she goes, thanks for coming over. Really? And, yeah. And there was no, I said, I don't know what happened there, but I just felt like I was supposed to, I want to make sure you're okay. And we just, you know, that was it. It wasn't this big dramatic ordeal. Yep. Yep. But I think this is, I'm asking this question in two ways. One, what should I have done in that scenario? Was that right? Should I have done more? Two, is it up to me now to go to the organizers of this event and say, hey, you might need to watch your boy. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I'm not saying it was nefarious. I'm not saying, but it was inappropriate. And I, and she was very uncomfortable. And that's the part that I, I've had, I've, as when I was young in ministry, I had those guys in my life and you just don't know that you have the agency to be like, stop praying for me, get away from me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so I, I might do. be, I might be projecting too much. I don't know. I, I just need your, like, you're a guy, you're a pastor. No, I think this is this. fair. I think this is fair because 
at at best, that guy's naive, right? Yeah, but, right. But these moments are very emotionally driven. And let's just be honest. I mean, can we say this? You're in your young 20s. Guys are very hormonal. They're very like they don't know what to do with emotion sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to say that that guy walked over there to like hit on the girl. Yeah. But the emotionally charged one-on-one is just, it's a recipe for at best um, miscommunication yeah. or misunderstanding. Yeah. At worst, it's that girl's cute. She's crying. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go be her knight in shining armor and pray with her. And then we're going to exchange number. And it's that I've seen it. Uh, It happens. And so I think you did the right thing. I'm not sure that you need to go to, did you say the leaders of the org? Yeah. I'm not sure you need to go to them outside of maybe it's a, Hey, here's one thing I observed in general. Like yeah. there seemed very little structure. Yeah. Who prayed for who? Yeah. And that's kind of a breeding ground for mm. people who would take advantage of other people's emotions. Mm. And uh, you need to understand that. Like we all want to believe that person's praying with that person or talking, counseling that person with the best ideas in mind. It's yeah. just it's not the way it works. Like I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, I saw this happen with people at, it at Wheaton when I was totally, in college. Totally. And it's not like stalking. I don't want to set up like these people like who needs prayer. I'm going to, it's just yeah. an emotionally charged time yeah. where you're like, yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, he prayed for me. And Oh, she opened yeah. up to me and Oh, uh, and you're like, <laughs> right. that's a dangerous way to just go about things. It's emotionalism. So uh, I think you did the right thing. Uh, I think our producer here mentioned uh, the, you could tell the group, I would suggest you always pray in threes. Always pray in threes. I think that's a really good, just safe I think that's fair. policy. Yeah. And I think you can go to the leaders of this organization and just say, hey, listen, here's an observation. I like that. I think that's and it good. And you could even be thinking that I'm over the top here, but I've got some age on you here. I've got, yeah. some, I've got, with, some, experience I've got some experience. And some yeah. Um, just be careful. Yeah. Like, you don't want to quench the spirit and be no, like, no. we must have this. Especially guy, girl, yeah, young, yeah, emotional. It's yeah. just it is a breeding. Uh, sadly, it's a breeding ground for some for some negative things. I will tell you an- another situation that happened that I really appreciated. There was a woman on the ground praying, very emotional, crying, crying, crying. I went over to her to pray for her, and I saw there was an older, not not as old as us, but probably thirties. I would say more experienced male pastor who went to pray for her, but then he stopped and he looked around and I could tell he was waiting for me to come over. Good. Yeah. And he, he even looked at me and waited for me to put my hand on her shoulder. And then when I did, he did. But I just thought that's so wise. Like he was not going to rush in as the savior. He's not going to rush in and touch her without her agency or without a woman being there to be a part of it. And I just, you know, again, you don't want to, like you were saying, you don't want to quench the spirit, but I appreciated his, like, I could tell he was seasoned and thoughtful in that. And I appreciated that. Okay. So Brian, that's helpful. So I'm going to, I, that's, I, I've observed them some things. Let me talk a little bit about what this scenario. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. And guys, if you're out there and you're listening, like 
bring somebody along to pray. Don't, don't corner yep. the don't corner the girl. It's oh, it, you need to under it, it. It's hard because I I would I've been in those situations. Like also, quite frankly, if you're a youth pastor out there, this is probably mm-hmm. even higher for you here. Like, yeah, wow. You want to pray for with people. Mm-hmm. You want to be a listening ear, but there are just dynamics when it's a guy and a girl. Yeah. You're young, and there's all this emotion built up. Uh, it just be careful. I guess I would say that. Just be careful. I'll never forget one time early on in ministry. They we had a. After a church service, they invited the whole church staff to come up and pray. And I was on staff at the time as a youth pastor. And the, of course, like the one super drunk older dude comes to me to ask for prayer. And he like, he's wasted. So he like throws his whole body weight on me. I'm like 23 years old. And he's like sniffing and he's like hugging. Oh, gross. And he's like, and nobody stepped in to help. and i still think back on that day like what the elder next to me the pastor next to me the male leaders all around me why did they not intervene and and somebody afterwards said we saw that happen and we were concerned and i'm like well then you should have done something something. but anyways so it's like in the it's like in the (laughs) under the umbrella of prayer we let all boundaries go Because we want to believe the spirit's moving, which it could be, yeah. but just be wise. Yeah. There, there needs to be some wisdom. I, I think you're exactly right. All right. Coming up next, uh, the narratives we're stuck in that are keeping us from making disciples. We're going to talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. I want to I wanna talk about something, Brian, partly because I'm preparing for a talk for something and oh, I like coming here. I'll help you write it. Let's you go. Help me write it. And also because I just think it's worth having a conversation about. And that is the narratives that we are trapped in that are keeping us from making disciples. So if all Christians are called to the, you know, Matthew 28, Great Commission, go therefore make disciples, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, etc. Um but a lot of us have narratives that keep us from doing that. Yeah. And I just thought it'd be interesting to even name, maybe not solve them, but maybe just name what some of those narratives are. I, I, a big one that comes to mind is like not equipped enough, not prepared enough, something mm. like something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't have enough knowledge. I think we're so knowledge based Especially here around in here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. We, we think that the more knowledge I get, and there's some, there's a kernel of truth to this. The more knowledge I, you know, there is something to be said about training and knowledge mm-hmm. and all this stuff, but God uses broken vessels, right? Like we yeah. see this all around the world. And when you, like you said, when you get out of the West and you go to Africa or whatever else, you don't have this training. God's doing amazing things through right. these preachers or through these teachers or right. whatever else. So I think a big one for us is I don't know enough. I'm not mm-hmm. trained enough. I'm not mm-hmm. uh, skilled enough. So therefore, instead of messing up, I just kind of sit on the sidelines. I just don't do anything. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big one. What about, do you think there's a word for like, I, I, my faith, I don't have a big enough faith. Like my faith isn't enough, something like that. Sure. I think um, 
part of it is I don't even know that we do faith well. Like if I step out into this situation, God's going to, maybe it's a deficient understanding and belief in the power of the Holy spirit that Mm, I don't have the faith that the Holy spirit is going to work in and through me. So therefore I'm going to step out and I don't, it ties to what we talked about before. I don't have the requisite knowledge or training Again, I'm big fan. I have a master. I like, I'm a big fan of, of yeah. training and knowledge. Yeah. But sometimes I think when we remove the Holy Spirit from the equation, mm. hey, I'm going to just go talk to this person yeah. or I'm just going to go step into this situation. And I believe, much like the book of Acts, God's going to provide the words. Um, you know, which apostle said that? Like, I'm going to go before the the courts or whatever and god will god will tell me what to say like yeah i'm not sure we believe that that still happens mm. and so uh yeah maybe i i wasn't expecting this direction but maybe as we're spitballing this maybe we have a deficient expectation that other people around the world don't have that the holy spirit still works miraculously and powerfully and um empowers those that go yeah i have no idea how this is happening but yeah okay my other two thoughts were this brian um do you think it's also as as simple as i don't know why like disciple making matters and i don't know how to like so beyond like i don't feel like i'm enough i don't feel like i have enough education like i literally don't know what the starting point is do you think think some of that's there too yeah I think there's a man, you're hitting some big ones here. I think there's an idea that I'll there's going to come a point where I've got it all figured out. We lose yeah. sight of the fact that discipleship is a journey. Mm. Um, right. To use Christian terms, we say justifications at a point, sanctifications our whole life. Yeah. And we lose sight of it. And so we're like, I should be further along. I mm. should be further along. And you that. So therefore, there's some sort of problem with me. Mm. Yeah, there's a, I don't know enough. I'm not further enough along. I should be more perfect at this point than I yeah, am. Yeah, And And these kind of, all of these things cause us to sit back and go, yeah, I'm going to let somebody else do this. I'm going to yeah, let somebody, once yeah. I'm further along, once I've got more knowledge or whatever else it might be. Yeah, I think I think those are all fair. Okay, I'm going to bring up a couple more and get your take on them. Um, what about simply desire? Like, I don't want to make disciples. I don't see the need to make disciples. Why does it matter if I do that? Like, do you think that's in there? Sure. I think it's, I don't know that any of us would admit that. Yeah. But to say, I don't want to make disciples. All right. I'm not sure any of us would say, I don't want to make disciples. I think Mm -hmm. what you touched on earlier, I don't know how. Yeah. I'm not confident that I can. I think that's fair. Okay. But it also sounds hard. Like it takes time. We've all heard the stories. You've shared the stories. I've shared the stories of, yeah, I used to meet with this person for coffee on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And we would go and you're like, gosh, I hardly get out with my wife on a regular (laughs) basis for coffee. And so maybe it's the same idea with giving, right? When I have more money, I'll start Mm -hmm. being generous. Maybe it's a, when I have more time, I'll start looking to build disciples. But right now I'm just trying... And we lose sight of the fact that disciple making happens just in everyday life Mm. uh, with my kids, with my friends, with my spouse, whatever else it might be. We formalized it so much that you're like, man, uh, my church tells me I've got to take these eight week class 
I can't do that. I don't, I don't want to be out another night. And it's another thing. I guess, man, this is kind of fun because we're just kind of working this out as yeah, we go. I yeah. guess when we see disciple making as a task, mm-hmm. as a, um, yeah, a task, I don't need more tasks in my wow. life. Wow. And, um, I can hardly keep up with the tasks that I wow. have. And so, I guess for us as churches, we need to be going, no, no, this isn't a task. This is a calling. This wow. is encompasses your whole life. Ooh, how you good, get Brian. that into a message, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to hear how you do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll let you know. I'll quote you on that one. I'll say, my co-host Brian Fromm said, because I think it's really good. <laughs> Please do. Okay, let, let me unpack one thing for you that I wonder if this is a narrative we're trapped in. Do you think there's been – oh, in fact, I, I had a conversation with the Gen Zer who was kind of like – because I, I was sort of doing my same argument where I'm like, look, my my bad attempt at sharing Jesus with you is better than your non-attempt at sharing mm-hmm. Jesus with no mm-hmm. one. And I was, wasn't was saying that to her specifically, just kind of general. And she was like, I don't think so. There's been a lot of church hurt and a lot of church pain. And like even wearing a Christian T-shirt triggers my non-Christian friends. Why would you do that? I'm wondering if there's some – like you said, maybe there's a kernel of truth in it. Like there are some of these other ones. But like is there some – church hurt or or like quote unquote i'm triggered by this narrative so i won't or this has been harmful for people therefore i won't like do you think that's in the cultural narrative or tell me your thoughts on that because that i heard that so i'm gonna say that it is my first inclination this might be completely unfair my first inclination is that feels like a cop-out like so So like, I don't see that parentheses in the great commission, go and make Mm -hmm. disciples, except when they're now, this might form how you do it. Like, let's say, let's say you've, you've walked away from the church or you're not a Christian. And part of your story is literally pain of being a part of a church. Mm. Well, maybe my first thing with you is not Aubrey. I need you to come to church with me. You need to come to church. But it doesn't mean I don't talk to you about Jesus. It doesn't yeah. mean I don't. I'm not concerned about, you know, that you come to faith. I, yeah. the, to say because I have church hurt or because it triggers other people, therefore I'll never talk about Jesus. Feels at best a baby with the throwing the baby out with mm-hmm. the bathwater. At yeah. worst, just a cop out. Just a cop yeah. out. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? It feels like a cop out to me. Well, I mean, we, you know, I, I, I did kind of push back on her for that reason. Like, yes, some Christians have done it wrong for centuries. Like, well, you know, yeah. but that doesn't, that doesn't change our calling. And that doesn't change the way we're called to love people and to love people towards Christ. And I, I, I kind of push on like, do you believe Jesus actually offers transformation and wholeness right. and salvation? If so, like, then share that with your friends, like, like share the message in a way that isn't harmful. Um, you know, none of us are going to do it perfectly, but I think you're right. I think it's a, I think it is worth noting that Christians have not done this well, Yeah. but we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because our, our call is to make disciples as followers of Jesus. And so we do it with love and we do it with emotional intelligence but we don't stop. I think the question is, um, the question is how, and I, I just love your word about, it's not a task, it's a calling. So think and about I guess that way I would, helpful. And people the, aren't projects. That's right. You know, that that's right. Yeah. And the thing that would stand out to me, I know we got to go, is um, 
when when I don't believe people's church hurts can be healed by Jesus, and Whoa. then I'm again not believing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think Woo. that is at the core of this. I don't think we believe deep down that God is still working and transforming and healing. Yeah. And that becomes a different. Yeah, if if God's not doing those things, then I yeah I don't want to talk about this with anybody. <laughs> right, right. But if God is, which we believe He is, then like right. let God do the work. You just mm-hmm. share about the love of Christ. That's so good, Brian. All right. Well, Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from four to six p.m. Thanks so much for being here with us today. For Brian from I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to the Common Good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.